The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber. I am Diana Marzalek. I'm a senior reporter with the Homes Report, and I'm here to talk Super Bowl with three fans. Um, we have Jim Joseph, who is BCW's global president. I have Brett Werner, who is president of MWWPR, and Jason Teitler, who is chair of BCW's fan experience. Hello. Hi there. Hello. How are you? <laughs> so we're here to talk about um, everything from the what went on the field to the to the marketing, and um, don't like to start on a down note, but I'm not hearing a whole lot of love from people out there. What was your uh, takeaway? Well, I think in a year where the NFL experienced increased ratings, a lot of scoring, people were anticipating the shootout, and obviously it was the lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time. Looks like ratings hit a 10-year low. But overall, it was a great year for the NFL, but probably wanted a, a little bit more of a high-octane uh, experience. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, the ads are always a big uh, a big show. And, Jim, I know you have a Twitter party, and you follow it closely and what people are saying. So what is your takeaway from last night? I do. Every year I have a Twitter party. So I get kind of firsthand accounts of how people are feeling and what they're reacting to. And every year people complain about how horrible the advertising is, and there's no creativity. And, and I never buy into that. I'm actually very uh, positive about it. But I will say this year sort of lacked a little of the pomp and circumstance. Like it lacked a little of the celebratory nature of past year Super Bowl advertising. But there were some highlights that we'll talk about for sure. Okay. Jason? I thought the Super Bowl was a little bit disjointed, but what I find very encouraging is that the, the NFL and pro football in general does have an opportunity to really um, sync up with younger fans, and I look forward to seeing how the NFL is able to embrace um, that potential, especially with uh, both millennials and centennials. Well, I'm interested, Jim, in what you said about the lacking of the pop and circumstance. So do you think that that was the advertisers reacting to football to the game, what they want? Or was that sort of the mood of the country? I mean, usually you have at least one or two big ads that people are talking about the next day. And I'm not quite sure that this was, that there was one yesterday. I think that's exactly right. There was nothing epic. There was no, nothing like this huge surprise, either from a social statement, or even if you remember last year's Tide ad, oh, yeah. uh, which just lived on and on. I mean, it was epic. It was, it was of the occasion. And there really wasn't anything this year that was of the occasion. And I think, I think it's a number of things. One is we know from, from data and from research that, that consumers, watchers of the Super Bowl, they, they didn't want to get hit with heavy political messages. And I think the brands knew that. So for the most part, they stayed away from that. They want to be entertained. They want, they want to think about social issues. They want purpose, for sure. But they want it to be lighthearted. So I think we saw maybe an overreaction. And a lot of the advertising felt like it could be advertising that would run on anything, not necessarily the Super Bowl. Right, because you're saying they weren't looking for these elements, and yet now today everybody's bitching and moaning about it. That they so. want them. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> and we have two people here, Brett and Jason. You were on the ground um, to some degree. So what was that like? Is that different? I mean, obviously it's different than us watching at home, but there were probably a lot of things going on in the marketing world there on the ground that we do not know watching in our living rooms. Yeah, I'm, I think Atlanta was my 21st Super Bowl, and I believe if you're going to win the marketing war, 
around Super Bowl, it's not just the Super Bowl ad. It starts the weeks leading into it, and it continues today. Monday is probably the deadest day in sports, and that social conversation remains very heavy today. So you can't look at it as a 30-second spot. You have to look at it, how did I activate before and after? And a lot of brands were winning before they even aired that commercial on linear TV. So I think that's a key part of the equation that some brands really under-leverage, in my view, including this year. But they're activating on the ground in Atlanta, or are you talking about different platforms, social, whatever it is that they're... I think it's all of the above. It could be in Atlanta. There's thousands of credentialed media there, but it's a social platform. You're talking about the epicenter of culture during this week and how you're going to activate that on a national, perhaps global stage. And if there's not an element of digital, I don't know how you really win there, too. And I think it continues even the day after. A good plan sort of surrounds the Super Bowl on bookends and your TV spot, if maybe you didn't even have one, is sort of just an apex of it. And Jason, you come with research. So was what we saw yesterday in line with what you had heard before about what fans want and what do they want or say uh, that they want? Yes and no. I, I do think that there are many brands out there, whether they're sponsors or non-sponsors, advertisers or non-advertisers, that still need to understand what the younger audience is looking for around the, the Super Bowl. And Brett's absolutely right. Um, you have to diversify your portfolio if you're a brand that's trying to take advantage of that space. Uh, what a lot of people don't realize, it's the biggest media gathering uh, in the world um, every year, or at least one of the biggest in the world. It's definitely the biggest in the U.S. And from a younger audience standpoint, they are really looking for different things that the older generation is looking for out of the Super Bowl. Uh, for instance, a lot of younger uh, fans are looking for an international Super Bowl. That's something that should be discussed by the NFL. There might be some opportunities there. Gambling, because it's becoming so much um, more of a, a legal um, pastime, is something that I think the NFL needs to look at and how do certain brands and sponsors and non-sponsors embrace that as a way to tell their story. Uh, in the past, it's been taboo, but it's not any longer. Esports is another thing that came out in our survey that younger fans are looking for as far as, far as an alternative way to experience the Super Bowl. So the halftime show is losing not only a bit of its luster, uh, but also its appeal to audiences that are not just younger, but are getting progressively older. Um, so how does esports play into this? Is there an alternative type of halftime show that we offer a younger audience in addition to keeping them more traditional uh, for those that are, are just used to that and grew up with that? So I think there are a variety of different dimensions that brands need to recognize or opportunities for them, and that includes the NFL. Well, it sounds like you, it's almost like you'd have to have two polar different experiences going on. You have to have whoever is singing for the halftime show and then some esports, whatever that is, online or and and the NFL though in particular is so centered around live TV. Right. right? So they still have to maximize that. That's their bread and butter. That's true. I, I do think the NFL does get a bad rap when people uh, start questioning um, the interest in the NFL because of, of folks that are coming into the stadium and maybe the lack of people, um, you know, based on previous years, because they're, they are diversifying their portfolio as well. I mean, there are ways to consume NFL content in a variety of uh, ways. Uh, so social media is certainly one of them. We talked about gambling and esports as opportunities for them. And because people may not be coming to the stadium, it doesn't mean that they're not experiencing the NFL. I think we need to recognize that. I think brands need to embrace that and need to adjust their marketing strategies, both on-site and off-site, to accommodate a new type of mindset. Gambling interests me. Do you think brands would ever touch gambling? And how could they do it without, I don't know, starting a, starting a fire, <laughs> storm of something? Oh, I absolutely 
absolutely think they can. It's legal in, in many states, and there's different forms of it. What I was fascinated by this year is the, the nuances. I mean, you could bet on what color Gatorade was going to be thrown on the winning coach, how long the national anthem was going to take, what the first score would be. I mean, you can really get into the details of the game from a, from a gambling perspective, and you're gambling against your friends. And, I mean, that's how you get in, like, full participation rather than just passive passive viewership. So I, I can see brands embracing that. I, I totally agree. I mean, you're seeing from the interactive experience, if it's linear or digital, uh, broadcasts being built for gambling. So providing the information, the insights to their new leagues, the Alliance, which is a new spring football league kicking off this coming weekend. They're leaning into it. If you're talking about engagement, and at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about, how you're going to engage that consumer. And that's an avenue. So I think if you have the right brand, you can lean into that. And this is one day, right? I mean, these are things, these are lessons learned or, or takeaways for all brands for the entire right. football season, basketball season, baseball season, whatever it is. This is not unique to the Super Bowl. It's just that there's so much attention on the Super Bowl. Or any kind of live event, quite honestly. Yep. I mean, it's, it's like good participatory marketing during a live television broadcast event. It could be the Grammys. It could be the Oscars. Yep. It could be anything. And they hold water cooler conversation and TV ratings. We see time and time again, the live events still capture audiences. So the survey that we put out this year is our sixth annual Super Bowl survey. It's a BCW survey in partnership with PSB um, has told us that millennials are very open to gambling. And I think that's something that brands need to listen to very loud and clear because um, what we heard is that 67% of millennials are likely to bet on the Super Bowl over any other sporting event, but they're also betting on other sporting events and to the points that were just mentioned on entertainment properties as well. Um, millennials are also excited about betting in general as 52% would travel to a place to bet. So think about the appetite for gambling and the fact that they'll actually move from one place to the other to place a bet. So there's a lot of hunger there. And now that it is legal, why not take advantage of it? Again, for the right brand, of yep. course. It also seems like there's there's a question here. And is the NFL driving the brands or the brand driving the NFL and the way all this takes shapes and go? Or does it really have to be... A partnership it's really bigger than just one entity it is a partnership and i think um sports leagues but even in the world of entertainment you see it is is when there is that true partnership they can make magic happen because they need each other right so it's really interesting especially in this day and age where everyone's fighting over eyeballs and their new mediums uh, how you make that work but i do think the nfl is one of the best at it all right did anybody have any fun last night let's hear what your favorite anybody have a favorite Add or take away, or think somebody did something well, or what you hear in your Twitter party, Jim? Well, what I what I heard on the Twitter party pretty overwhelmingly is that the the NFL itself was the the most loved spot, the uh, the 100th uh, anniversary, 100th season, um, that very long spot that aired about mid game, by far was voted the best ad. I don't know. I don't know that I would count that because it's the NFL promoting itself, but that counts, I guess. In in all reality, it is a brand. But that was a that was a clear winner. Um, for me, the Microsoft um, ad was the was the clear winner. Um, the gaming spot where they have consoles that help um, folks with disabilities and with mobility issues play play games. And the tagline alone for me was was it. You know, when everybody when everybody plays, everybody wins. I thought that was amazing too. When just everybody the way plays, we all win. Equalizing the kids around a video game, and it was simple. They just there was no gimmick there. They just interviewed the kids. And what I thought was amazing is you know there's there's enough commentary and and even controversy around how much should should children 
be gaming and is it is it good for them to be gaming and that just that whole piece just erased that yeah, you know to, to see the social acceptance and the inclusion and the the sociability of gaming just wipe that conversation right off. I agree. I agree. It's the one that had like it just touches you in your heart, and it, it was when they said it really is equalizing. It really is we all, all inclusive. Yep. We all win. Anybody else have any thoughts on what they saw yesterday? I, I did like the NFL ad a lot. I thought I thought it was first of all to pull off that shoot. I think they did it in three days in Los Angeles was was impressive. But here's what I really liked: what the NFL did. Yes, it was great content in my view, but you had Ninja in there, right? So you're appealing to a younger demographic. There are three women who contribute to the sport of football on the field. They were part of it. So in a nice, light way, I think they touched on a lot of different audiences. You got your hardcore fan. You got maybe some new emerging people. Very well done, in my opinion. And I agree with Jim. I think Microsoft did a good job. You know at MWW, we believe a lot in this corpsumer sort of philosophy that you know consumers truly care how corporations are contributing to society. And you look at Microsoft, you look at Google, I thought they both did a good job of walking that line and leaning into it. I thought it was real interesting how these technology companies and a lot of the OTT channels are leaning into linear TV and sort of dominating the conversation. So I really liked what, what Google and Microsoft did. Yeah, but purpose was not overt necessarily. I mean, those those said what they had to say, but none of it was, was kind of in your face this year. There was no... no there were no political ads, like as you said. There were no overt sort of purpose ads that really shoved it at you. No, in fact, I think if anything, a lot of the advertising was very grounded in in the products. We heard a lot of product attribute advertising for the first time in in a while, and and even one of my other favorites uh, was the Bud Light corn syrup spot. That was basically a product message. It was done very creatively. It was done very competitively. I mean, it's hard to do a spot that attacks your competitors and not come off like you're being shady. And they did a brilliant job, but it was a product message. It wasn't a brand message. Um, and it got people thinking about, I mean, I, remember, I even asked my Twitter party, like, should I? Should we care about this? And I got an avalanche of comments back saying, yeah, this is why it matters. And and to, to Brett's point earlier, that social conversation is continuing today because now the corn manufacturer has, is speaking up and saying their point of view. I mean, that's Super Bowl advertising. That's, that is actually what you want to do. Right. It's the old, it's got legs, right? It keeps going. Right. It keeps going. So I like the uh, NFL 100 commercial as well. So I guess that's three of us that really liked it maybe four. I liked it four. Yeah, yeah. And um, I I agree. Uh, I think they – the NFL did a fantastic job of not being clumsy in introducing some of these uh, other generations to football and closing the bridge between the older generation because you had newer players. You had um, obviously uh, a lot of uh, Hall of Famers. And and as Brett mentioned, there are a lot of other attributes they touched. I like the Budweiser uh, wind turbi- uh, turbine mm-hmm. spot, and the reason I liked it is because a, a lot of people saw a little bit of a nostalgic feel and seeing the Clydesdales go down the uh, the path, and it was like, okay, here's another traditional Budweiser commercial for for the corporation, And but you got Bob Dylan playing in the background. Okay, there's something going on there. All of a sudden, you see those turbines, and, and there is a little bit of purpose uh, in that, and I thought that was a nice touch. For pure entertainment, I thought the bubbly one was kind of funny. Because Buble sitting there and scratching off, uh, you know, bubbly for Buble. I, it was pure entertainment. It was nice. It wasn't totally in your face and, and forced. I thought that was a nice touch. Entertainment's always good, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what you're turning is. on the, t- yeah. <laughs> the TV on for. Do you think things were muted because there's there's a, a fear going on now? I mean, nobody wants to say anything controversial. Was it a couple years ago or last year that we had the, the Dodge Ram ad that – that created a problem. There's the wall. I mean, everything is so kind of volatile now that I wonder if 
that was part of it or if it just was sort of a man year? I don't think people, I don't think brands are afraid to take a stand. And I don't think they're afraid to, to come out with, with a message. Look at what Gillette did just two weeks ago. So I don't think it, they're afraid. Um, I think they're cautious. I think they're they're careful. They're making sure that they're representative of their their consumer base. I honestly think that in many cases, brands just realized that the Super Bowl might not be the platform for it anymore. It used to be the place where you actually made a statement like that because you had this huge viewership. And I think this year in particular, and it might bounce back next year, but I think this year in particular, brands just realized that consumers don't want to hear that in that moment. It's a family event. It's a, it's a fun event. You're with your family. You're with your friends. Just make it light and entertaining. And, and I think they dialed back. I, I build on what Jim's saying. I do agree that understand the environment. It's Sunday. It's fun. It's light. Also, a lot of the conversation throughout the season stayed on the field when it came to the NFL. So it was good that perhaps it stayed there this year. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to understand your environment, not just from a macro standpoint, but as a marketing through this particular channel, what's going on there in that ecosystem. I agree, though. I think brands are ready to challenge, but they have to pick the right sort of channel in the right time. I think it's important to recognize, too, that the environment is well beyond just the advertising platform. I think we mentioned it earlier that if, uh, if a brand is going to make uh, a lot of traction within the Super Bowl environment, they need to understand all the different mechanisms that they could deploy in order to get a particular message out there. And sometimes advertising is not the way to do it. Um, having a 30 or 60 second spot is not necessarily the best way to um, project a particular narrative. So, for instance, we do a lot of work at BCW with Special Olympics. They were there in a very big way. They just didn't have a commercial. And that's okay because through our survey, we found that a lot of people actually are not as interested in the commercials as a lot of people think. They're more interested in the game, which was refreshing to see because, after all, it is a game. Although yesterday's game was um, – well, we'll leave that for another time. <laughs> so there is the media environment, and Brett and I were both yeah. uh, on Radio Row um, with uh, representing certain brands talking about a variety of different narratives because you certainly have more than 30 or 60 seconds to, to talk when you're speaking with a whole variety of media outlets. In our case, we were working with United Airlines talking about what they're doing with Special Olympics uh, and what they're doing with employees to make the experience for those with intellectual disabilities much more enjoyable. And I think that's something to consider. Brands need to think about what other avenues can I go down to tell my story. It's not only putting millions and millions of dollars into a particular spot. So what, were, what for the Special Olympics, for instance, what were you doing? What was, what was there getting the word out? What were you doing besides being on the radio? It was both uh, media relations as well as social engagement. Engagement, and they both fed into each other. So we brought um, a Special Olympics athlete who is a fantastic ambassador for the Special Olympics movement and a great ambassador for those with intellectual disabilities and partnered her up with uh, Hall of Famer Brian Erlacher um, with United Airlines. And then simultaneously, we had a pure Special Olympics tour talking about the World Games in Abu Dhabi. And we found that, you know, th through our research, that the younger audience are very interested in a lot of this purpose-based type of uh, storytelling and it gave us an opportunity to project that to heights that, you know, mostly uh, have been unknown to uh, a lot of individuals when it comes to Special Olympics and intellectual disability. So we, it got a tremendous amount of traction. One hit in particular with uh, Golik and Wingo uh, was very emotional. Um, uh, Trey Wingo uh, told the audience he about... Is, right? What's that? He cried. Don't yeah, yeah. He, he, he did. So you saw that one. Yeah. Um, it went super viral. Uh, I think it was close to a half of... A million people um, actually viewed the video after people actually heard it and saw it um, through traditional channels. And that's the power of the Super Bowl, to be able to tell stories that people don't normally hear, and especially not through advertising, um, with a lot of texture. 
And brands need to recognize that that's an opportunity. And Brett, you were on the ground too with yeah, brands. I was, and I'll continue to say, as, as odd as it sounds, the Super Bowl and other big platforms, be it Davos, be it the Grammys, they're under leverage in my view, especially to probably the audience that's listening from a PR and a digital and a social standpoint too. These are huge platforms that need activation to bring them to life and to integrate into the conversation. Um, so yeah, the we know TV viewership is declining. The Super Bowl is obviously an exception to that. But where is the communications plan building into these events? And that's where brands, I think, still have room to be more assertive. And Jim, you you have your ad. Your, your event is focused around the ads, obviously. But do you see a lot of the brands? Do you follow their other activations surrounding their ads? Or you, oh, yeah. ab- absolutely. And even the brands that are telling a super. Super Bowl story, but not necessarily at the Super Bowl. So the big one this year was Skittles. They did a Broadway show in lieu of of Super Bowl advertising. A legitimate Broadway show with a, you know writer, director, all star cast, choreography. Um, it, it was evidently really fabulously reviewed. They got a lot of play out of it. They're they're doing a lot of social play out of it. I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of that content start to pop up if they're if they're smart. You know that was a brilliant way to be a part of the Super Bowl, not just advertise, not take the risk that a 30-second spot isn't going to produce the kind of results you want, but actually get a much larger activation out of it. And there were a number of brands that did similar similar things off of the, you know, off of the actual Super Bowl platform itself, but still surrounding it through social media, through activations. Um, they're, they're, you know, still the the Puppy Bowl, and they had the uh, National Geographic did that thing with owls. I mean, it's pretty, pretty cool stuff. Do you think we'll see more of that? Do you think brands will start reconsidering doing Super Bowl ads? I, I think that is always a consideration every okay. year. I think they reconsider it every time, and they, they go through the process of, of understanding if it's worth the investment. I don't think they'll necessarily, in the next few years anyway, walk away from the advertising, but I think they're going to think more and more about, do they... Do they need that spot? Can they do other things with it? Can they do other things around it? And I think we're going to see a lot of the other channels, like like a YouTube, start to get more and more involved. I, I thought it was amazing that YouTube sponsored the pregame show it to is. try to drive sponsor, uh, to try to drive uh, subscriptions to their their streaming TV service. Yeah, we're going to see more of more of those kinds of brands: Hulu, HBO. They were all on there. All yeah. Amazon Prime, Amazon. The Netflix, OTTs were all over that. Which no is doubt. amazing because yeah. you're still leveraging traditional mm-hmm. TV to drive to streaming. But right. an ad's an ad, right? It's a mm-hmm. Super Bowl ad. Yeah, I even saw uh, DAZN on Radio Row. I don't know if you saw that, yeah. right? But they were there in a big way. And, and as the competition heats up between the Netflixes and – is that a word? Sure. And, the, and, <laughs> and the Hulus. The yeah. And Hulu uh, obviously being part owned by by Disney, it's they're going to be much more smash mouth, and I think they're going to use the Super Bowl as a mechanism to elevate their their message. But you mentioned uh, Skittles; they're a good example of a brand that does diversify because they were on Radio Row as well, talking with media about their um, you know their product, and uh, you know it was it was nice to see that um, some brands understand the diversity of a portfolio when it comes to the Super Bowl. And then there was the HBO mashup with the. Um the beer ad and the and, and Game, Game of, of Thrones, Thrones. Game that of was Thrones. kind of fun. Yep. That was fabulous, and yeah. I think actually we'll start to see more of more of those kinds of partnerships, if you will. You know, Budweiser has used the Dilly Dilly style uh, campaign for quite some time, which obviously is a homage, so we say, to uh, to Game of Thrones. To to suddenly see them embrace each other and and have a bit of a storyline around it was fabulous. Like great entertainment, great head nodder. 
Um, I don't know if it's going to drive any more viewership of Game of Thrones. They're pretty much off the charts already. Uh, but it just puts it puts Budweiser in the same sort of context as that kind of level of entertainment. Well, and it was the one ad that was kind of groundbreaking in its creativity or in its novelty, I guess, right. is what I'm yeah, thinking of, exactly. more or less. Um, now, the NFL has its own marketing issues yep. that they're going to be looking for for the next <laughs> <laughs> next year, I've got between ratings and the um, the national anthem, um, the uh, pro take a knee take a knee movement. Um, they've got to have a tough year cut out for them as well. Oh, I don't know. I think the NFL did a really good job this year. They have a new CMO in place. Uh, they've made a lot of progress. The discussion when I was in Atlanta was pretty much of issues on the field which I think is good. Mm -hmm. TV ratings were up this year. They're going into their 100th anniversary. Um, you still have the greats like um, Tom Brady. You have a group of young athletes that are interesting. Although the Rams didn't come out on top, big market team that's going to be good for a while. If I'm the NFL, I I'm pretty bullish, actually. Okay, good. Shame on me. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that as well. I think um, they have some interesting opportunities to kick around, which presents some challenges, too, because we know there's a hunger for... Um, the Super Bowl and international markets, you know, to think about what does does the UK mean to the NFL and the Super Bowl. We know that there are games played there on a regular basis. Uh, same thing with Mexico and other markets. We found that um, countries like Brazil were actually uh, there on site. Uh, ESPN Brazil was, was doing some broadcasting, which is kind of interesting. And uh, then you got, you know, other um, uh, groups to, to consider as well. The Espin Deportes had a big presence as well. So international is something I think the NFL needs to think about um, very long and hard because there are opportunities there. It's just a matter of how do you cater to an audience that's very hungry for it while also being very practical on how you uh, run your, your league because, listen, time zones are a very real issue. Um, but there's a hunger for it because we know that uh, over 50% of fans are interested in an international Super Bowl. What do you do with that? And millennials, over 70% are interested in, in uh, an international Super Bowl. So while there might be logistic challenges, there are also audience um, desires that will be there regardless. So if you don't cater to them, then you could potentially be losing a, a large chunk of your audience, uh, particularly the younger audience. I also think that they're sitting on a humongous opportunity more so than any other sport, maybe, maybe the World Cup, but any other sport, to, to go beyond just the game. It was what Brett and Jason were talking about earlier. But folding in a total experience that's very social. And I don't mean social like physically sitting on a couch and watching the game together, but like, you know, virtually social where you're you're betting and you're projecting and you're you're gamifying with each other. Um, I mean, I, I was sitting at home with with my son, and and he was probably with twelve friends who were not in the room with us. But we were all going back and forth and talking about, you know, the the betting and the gaming and the, you know, if they can embrace that and figure out how really to sort of authentically systematize it, so that it's not just the game, it's actually the whole ecosystem. They're sitting on a huge opportunity. I think probably more so than other sports. Why so? I think just, it's just much more ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. It's much more ingrained in, in culture. It's not that baseball couldn't do it, but I think football would have an easier time of doing it. Right. So one last question. If we're sitting here next year, three of us are sitting back and going to do a, a, the, same, the, the same podcast next year. Is that what we're going to be seeing? Are they up to the task or where are we going to be at? I think we're going to see a return next year to brands talking more social issues. We're going to be going into an election year shortly thereafter. I think we're going to see a swing back to more heavy purpose um, communication, more heavy social issues, 
maybe not taking a political stand per se, although we could see that, uh, but a swing back to the to the social issues. And, and I also think we're going to see a reaction at, with higher production values than okay. we saw this this year. Anybody else? Well, it's a market that's probably one of the most international markets um, in the U.S., and that's uh, Miami. So I think because of the cultural melting pot that we have down there, um, it may be a great opportunity for the NFL uh, to think about how do we understand and and uh, leverage the hunger for more international types of experiences, content um, through the NFL based on the fact that it is in Miami. So they have an opportunity to really embrace it and run with it. And uh, I'd love to see them um, do so. Yeah, I agree. I think the tone may be a little bit different. You're going to have the, the largest single-day platform on the eve of election. I think you're going to start to see more appeal to some different audiences, so more appeal to that younger demographic, make sure that football fan is in continuing. And we saw some of it this year, but we need to see more, more female voices. We saw that in a lot of the spots. We need more of that progress, but not where we need to be. And will we see the Patriots again? <laughs> I'm a Bronco <laughs> fan, but it's hard to bet against I grew them, up so. on the Rams, yeah. so I was uh, happy to see number them. Number seven, in maybe number seven. Who knows? <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, I appreciate your time and coming in, and uh, we'll meet here again this time next year. Great. Thank Sounds you. Good. Thank, thank you very you. much. Take care. You've been listening to The Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group. Putting you in tomorrow's conversations today.